Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the latest Shiny Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Spector, and with me is Rob. Uh, good afternoon, Rob. Hello, Stephen. So it's one of our interstitial, I believe that is the fancy word we say for these podcasts. Yes, indeed. It, it, a little chemistry for everybody today. So uh, so this will not be as long. We don't have a, a special guest. It's just us. And uh, I think we had hoped to do this podcast a little bit earlier, but we've actually been really busy putting together some really interesting podcasts, guests from around the world, a whole variety of content coming. And so we've kind of delayed doing this and, and now we're caught up on that. So we wanted to push something out and, and it centers around the amount of news going on in open source companies in the last month or so is crazy. And uh, <laughs> news, I, news, panic and uh, tearing of, tearing of clothes. Yes. This it's, I, you might even say that the news around open source projects is spreading like cockroaches. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, but uh, that's okay. I still like it. <laughs> the, but you know, it. I don't. Did it start with Map R, or was there another company before it, Map R? That it's, I mean, it's been it's been brewing for a while. But Redis uh, was sort of the straw. And uh, but the Map R thing, you know, they came out and said they don't have any money to run their business, and uh, and then like their executive left, and then I read. I think I read last week that they're trying to find funny, uh, f- funny. They're trying to find funding to keep the business open. But then after they kind of collapsed, then who was it that was next that put out their numbers? That was um, Cloudera, Horton, Cloudera and Hortonworks sort of had to had, had to merge around that. But that's some of that's just Hadoop being on the ropes compared to other machine learning stuff. Um, but I think the Cloudera thing—they're not doing well either, right? Didn't. Their stock go down. Uh, a lot of people are struggling. And then, of course, the pivotal stuff—they released numbers, and and then people jumped on that like vultures. And and you and I had done a really good podcast uh, talking strictly about the um, the 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 volunteer funding model. Yes. Um, and so, so people should go listen to that. We don't we don't need to repeat. The history, you know, history too much, but there is, there is uh, maybe crisis is too big of a word, but there's a, a boiling the frog type of problem here that's clearly going in with open source, right? I mean, we're not, you're not even talking about Chef making the decision to go sort of the opposite direction. And then I was alluding to the Cockroach DB problem where they literally pulled their license, they changed their license to a model where the code is available, but most people don't consider that an open source license because you can't reuse their software commercially. Um, so it, it, you know, I, I'm, I'm not as much a purist where it's like, that's not an open license. Uh, no. It's a source available license. Well, uh, Stephen O'Grady has been posting some really fascinating pieces and people, the Red Monk analyst, uh, people should read that because he's, he's got some really interesting positions about commercial source available licenses and how it's not open source licenses. And, and he's not a big fan of this source available, which is basically a proprietary license where you, people can read your code. Um, we're in, we're in a, a bit of a tizzy with this and, and the, the, the sleeping giant with all this is Amazon. Oh, Elastic, right. Elastic had their Amazon basically open sourced uh, competitive component to the, their proprietary pieces. Uh, Cause Elastics was trying to protect their, uh, source. Right? Uh, so that's, the, that's the landscape, right? So it's is it a, so it's kind of it's a funding business model thing, right? I mean, if I had an open source company now and I was trying to raise money, 
and I was a funder, I might look at this and say, this isn't a good business model. And, you know, maybe you should do it proprietary, but then I'm not sure everyone can do things proprietary because stuff has to be open source, especially in the infrastructure I, world. Well, I think I think we're starting to get to a point where it's it, that might not be the case, right? Because fundamentally, everybody's saying, oh, software is dead, go to the cloud. The cloud is not open source, right? You're not, no. you're not running on a, you know, that's a proprietary infrastructure. Uh, and we did it's a, closed we did source. A, you know, did we do a podcast on that? We did a podcast that software is dead or something like that. We did. We've done a couple. Yeah, um, we could look at that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I haven't. I haven't uh, thrown all the dirt back on the grave for that one. I I think that software has a place, but we have definitely destroyed a lot of the legacy business models for it. And I have an interesting insight for you around the around what's going on with uh, cockroach and a lot of these. A lot of these licenses are being changed not to restrict any commercial reuse, but specifically to restrict hosting company, AKA Amazon, Amazon. Um, from offering their software as a service without giving them royalties. Um, and for some reason, like Chef and Puppet managed to get Amazon to relicense it. I, I don't know how they have a service where people will actually pay for that stuff. Um, but most of the thing, most of these open source projects, it's Amazon will offer it as a service and the royalties don't flow back to the originator um, and they they can't sustain that business model, right? And that, that's a fair, I, I putting it in a nutshell, there's an analysis I want to get to. So does that mean that Amazon affect their business strategy is to kill competitors by simply giving their product away? I'm glad you said that. I, uh, I, I don't think so. <laughs> Because if they um, get, and hopefully, hopefully, a whole bunch of people are shouting right now about their opinion, and we want to hear from you. Come yeah, definitely. Tell us what your opinion is. Um, and yeah, we'll get a micro. You get you in front of a microphone. So, so, I, I I'm not going to go down the Amazon is nefarious and stealing path. Um, I know there are plenty of people who would, and 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 you could you could make that, but I, I don't think that's useful right right now. What what I think when I talk to people who are doing on-premises IT or self-managed IT, because you can do self-managed IT in the cloud right. where you run your own software. Um, and, and for those people, it's a customer experience problem, or what, you, what I would call a CX problem, where managing these projects or these products in the cloud is a lot of work. And when Amazon, what Amazon has really been doing is selling a customer experience for managing and self-managing and, and creating a service around these, these offerings that is very compelling. So there's value there and that's what these customers are paying for. Correct. And, but what they're doing is, is that when they offer it as a service because of, you know, these, these things are open source and we've sort of taken the sustaining this is so let me let's be very clear about what people pay for when they pay money for an open source thing they are paying for the sustaining of that project because I, I think this is super confusing and i think people get really confused so when you buy software you're paying for the sustaining engineering to keep that software running um I, ideally you're paying for the r d that went into it but what, what the reason you pay is because you want the, the company to sustain and support your 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 product. If you don't need sustaining and support, like a software library or something like that, and you think you can sustain it, you don't usually pay. So 
that's that, that's sort of this this hat you need to put on when when Amazon or any other AAS runs the software they're you're basically paying them on a subscription basis to sustain the service they sustain it as a service and that includes the ongoing maintenance and updates and patches and things like that for open source stuff Amazon can take on that burden themselves um, and take it off of the customer's hands for software you still own the sustaining of that that product right whether you're paying a vendor for it or you're doing it operationally yourself and so what what i would add from that actually does that make sense does yeah, that does. argument make sense yeah, i'm with you so yeah so what i would add is as an industry we have done a really bad job of making self-managed software sustainable to companies right the reason people are flocking to the cloud is we've just we've never invested in the CX, the customer experience for running a data center as a stack of stuff. So if you show up with a new thing, it's really expensive to add things into your infrastructure, remove things from your infrastructure because the, the customer experience of, of changing IT is so onerous. Well, I would, um, I would use an example of upgrading. I mean, you know, we always go back to OpenStack because we have experience there, but upgrading between OpenStack releases was never you had to pull out and put a whole new thing in and, yeah, you're, and you're using past tense and i would use present tense but, but yes okay, that's but, right you know it's still because openstack didn't focus on that most software doesn't focus on the install and upgrade of itself it's always the new features and that other you know kind of you well i remember day two i know you use that term a lot at, i like that term i use that term a lot at rack and i like that term it's the industry doesn't worry about day two Oh, you got the software up and running great. You know, whatever you took you to do it, you got it. Enjoy it. And then, oh, here's new features and the people, and then you're in IT. What do I do? How do I install this? Will this break stuff? Do APIs change? Uh, you know, custom stuff. And I think that's one of the reasons the cloud's so successful is Amazon, you know, Microsoft, Google, they're able to do this at, for everyone. And that's where you talk right. about their, your, what did you use the term? CX? Was that the term used? CX customer experience, CX. like UX, like UX yeah. is like for UI's design, thinking about the full experience. CX is goes a level deeper. I, you might call it, I guess, OX for operational experience. Right. So oh, I've never heard that term. So, but I'm okay. So I'm with you. I get this. So I pay Amazon or, you know, for any cloud provider for that. But then the problem becomes is if, if I'm writing one of these open source databases, I'm part of that community that Amazon is selling, you know, I don't, if I don't get money, I don't have finances to upgrade that product and to add more features. And if mm -hmm. I can't do that, then that product stalls out and essentially ends of lives because I don't have money to keep going because Amazon is pulling all the revenue. Right. But if you're doing like a database yeah, and, and, um, uh, Steve O'Grady did a really good job of, um, pointing out that it seems like databases are a big target for this stuff um, because databases are part of an infrastructure. They're not the whole thing. Right. Um, and so when you're, when you're just a database or just, a, just a, any component, um, you are beholden to everything else they're going to manage and how they're going to manage it and being part of that infrastructure. Um, it's one of the reasons I think Kubernetes is not seeing the ecosystem and the on-premises acceleration that we see in the big clouds because Kubernetes isn't just Kubernetes. You still need data stores and you still need load balancers and you still need firewalls and you still need service. You still need all these ancillary pieces right. to make it work. 
Um, and so if, if I'm Cockroach DB and I'm looking at an as a service offering, uh, you know, either I'm going to have to run it for everybody, which, which makes sense. And they might be able to monetize that. And I think they have a, a as a service system. But if I want people to be able to manage it themselves, which they need to do, because it's just a database as part of a burger, burger app thing, right. then that customer experience is going to be really telling if it's operationally hard to manage that component inside of all their other components. And I can tell you from dealing with, everybody does this a little bit differently, that the patterns and practices of how you manage this stuff is, you know, incredibly bespoke. Even if you're just like, oh, I use Ansible. There's a million ways to use Ansible, um, you know, on Amazon. And so there's no, it's, it's very, very hard to create a, a good customer experience the way we've been doing things so far. Um, and so I think that paying for licenses for sustaining the software and figuring out the customer experience is a big, you know, double, double whammy from that perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and if somebody shows up and says, oh, I'm just going to offer the same thing, but, you know, take away the, that experience and then package other things around it. Um, then I'm, you know, that's, that's a, that's a, it's a business problem, not a license problem. Right. But they don't, but the only way that they're trying to solve it is through licenses. Well, the, the, the licenses make them especially vulnerable. And this is, this is to me where we should be scratching our heads and maybe it's just open source is not workable here. Um, in this, in a cloud environment. Yeah, there's gasps. I just got tomatoes thrown out my window. And all right, so bear, but bear with me. Here's the here's the thing. I build a product in, in open source. We, I mean, Rackend does this, mm -hmm. and and you offer it, and then you know somebody says, oh, I you know I don't I don't want to you know the sustaining you know I'm not going to pay for the sustaining engineering, or I will you know I'm just going to sustain do the sustaining engineering myself because the product's good enough. And then, and then what happens is, you know, so, so that becomes a very hard conversation to have from a revenue license perspective, but you can sort of do it. But if somebody shows up and says, I'm going to take away the sustaining engineering part and the operational, the, the CX pieces, I'm going to integrate those in. It's, it's a really significant threat to, you know, why you would pay for an open source license at all. And, and, there, and because it's open source, there's no barrier. Right. Cockroach has no barrier without this license change to Amazon just eating their lunch on the customer experience, not through any fault of Cockroach, but because that's what Amazon is offering. Right. And and as an industry, we haven't done any better job of creating an alternative to as a service offerings. Very interesting. That's, this is my dilemma. I scratch my head on this all the time. I'm like, all right, wh why is why is the water draining out of you know, I, you know, legacy, traditional enterprise IT so quickly. And, and it's not open source that's doing that. It's, it's the fact that people are, you know, able to just bring, you know, bring, have a better customer experience, bringing up a new service. And if it's open source, it's even better because they can then play with it on one hand and then turn around and in production consume it um, without having to worry about the operational complexities of, of running that system. So they get the best of the developer experience and then the place you would monetize it in sustaining and production engineering, you've lost. And so the, the open source people are, are changing their licenses to protect themselves. But it's not going to work. 
I, I don't think so. Um, I, I don't have well, a good feeling about it. So at, at some point, we're just gonna we're we're just gonna whack them all out every you know open source thing until they're basically just uh, vendor platform components, right? Yeah, it's monopolies. the only database. Yeah. Um. So I wanna. So I wanna, Rob. I wanna do. Uh, so to our listeners. If you have thoughts on this, join us on a call, you know, reach out to us. We'll get you on and, and talk about, but I want to talk about another topic. I have another question because I think we've, okay. we've reached this. So this one's good. This is good. So the other question I want to hit on before we go today is um, in the big data space with all the problems that we've seen with all the big data companies. My question to you is, is this the, I don't want to say death of big data, but kind of this whole collapse of big data. <laughs> is this because of edge? Because of edge, because no, I think it's, I think it's because of machine learning. Um, but so yeah, that would be that's. Go ahead. So my thinking, and it could be terribly wrong, but my thinking is, you know, these big data things was all about, you know, getting as much data as you can and putting it in one giant spot and having these massive mm -hmm. machines you know, process it and analyze it and stuff. And Edge is moving to the model where we don't do that. Instead, the data is processed all over the place, uh, you know, quickly get exactly what you need and then store it for later use, but kind of moves uh, away from that big data model. And, you know, of course, I could be completely wrong and probably am, but I wanted to bring this up with you to see, is Edge impacting this? And I'm I'm interested. You said it's more machine learning, so I'd like to hear your thoughts. I, I I would love to do find a guest or two and do a full podcast on this. I can even think of Sam Charrington might be an interesting okay. one to to pull into it. Um, my 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 hot take is that what we're really talking about is not an analysis problem, but a data storage problem. And what what people overlook with something like Hadoop. Um, we call, I mean, we call them data lakes and things yeah. like that is Hadoop is really about storing the data less than more than it is about analyzing it. It was a, it's a architecture that was designed on the assumption that storing data is, ex, is expensive or retrieving data is actually expensive and slow. And so it, it optimizes spindle placement and things like that. And the industry has moved to networked storage and fast storage and so i think a lot of the optimizations that drove i'm, I'm sure there's somebody shouting at the their radio right now good good come <laughs> yeah, on the show on <laughs> um that that led even if you were shouting in agreement um that that led to what hadoop was was and why um i think that that those things have changed and i think feeding machine learning algorithms um are architecturally different than what we needed with these these data lakes and Hadoop. I, I actually think there's still a lot of value in storing this data and having ways to create big distributed data stores and collect all the data. But um, the 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 way we're we're accessing the things that we built architecturally for Hadoop to analyze that data, I think are uh, are being undermined in all, in a couple of these ways and probably some I don't even know about. So so rather this... rather than anything else okay yeah. so this follows my second theory this isn't so much technical but this idea that the, our industry is just moving too fast and technologies are eating <laughs> each other you know where i'm going and that technologies are eating each other before they have a chance and could this be a case this is maybe one of the last cases where a technology lasted long enough for 
millions of dollars to be invested and set up and then and then it got eaten as we expected but it took a little longer before it got eaten from the new stuff and so this could be the last of the kind of things where you know so much money went into it because people thought it was a future and then it changed quickly but it changed late enough that they were able to make money and then you know collapse Whereas technologies move so fast now that there won't be time for that. It'll just go away before it's even out. So I love this line of questioning. It's a great one. Um, there are there are technologies that are interstitial, since that's the word of the day. Yes, it is. Um, and and what I think the question I would I would turn that question around and ask is this an interstitial technology meaning was the big data approach something that got us to machine learning and then like fax machines is the other is the thing i'm thinking of like eh, right. i don't need fax machines anymore um <laughs> go, but, go, go do real estate it's still all fax machines and you know, lawyers they're still there's they're still oh. in use and there's still great, oh. great accounts for it yes but, but really fax machines right died you know mostly died um nothing ever dies completely in tech right. but um but they were an interstitial technology that sort of proved a market, proved a need. You know, the sending sending images, sending sending. You know, and and I I think that that might have you know. But but it's it took a while. Is- but it took a while for the fax machine to be phased out. I mean, it wasn't like a year or two later that boom, you know, it was gone. And so, if we your example works with my thinking, <laughs> your kids what a fax machine is, but yeah, okay. But but um, I mean, it was a while. It was a couple. You know, it wasn't light. And like you know, the Hadoop stuff seems pretty fast. I think part of the shock is is like out of the blue, everyone's like this thing just the rug got pulled out from underneath it. You can almost think pass in the same way that right the rug got pulled out of pass so fast. With pivotal and uh, stuff, and, I'm and still using my Heroku instances. Wait. Oh my gosh. Um, well, anyway, this so, is this yeah. is just thinking. And again, for our our listeners, um, you know, I'm trying to understand not you know not just the technology that changed, but you know, I I keep watching this technology move faster and faster, and and you know. I mean, it has to be quite an impressive move to see companies collapse like this. And then I love the financial analysts blaming the CEO and the sales guys. And I mean, it's not their fault. The technology is there. The problem is, is the customers don't see value. Like you said, they don't need it. And, you know, you can't, well, unless you're Microsoft, you can't force crappy software on people. And um, unless you have that is not just the purview of Microsoft. No, there's lots of companies. But as an example, we all used uh, lots of uh, Windows versions that weren't very good. Right? You never take version one. All right, I went too far. I sorry, Microsoft. Microsoft's now everyone's friend right now. We love we love you, Azure. Yeah. Well, no, it's funny. Every Microsoft's open source's best friend now in the world. I love that. And uh, yet, still, no one come out and talk about how Apple you know, sucks it up and doesn't give anything back. Their whole OS is built on, uh, you know, op- is built on open source. Isn't it NetBSD underneath OS 10 or whatever? It, it is. And that's what makes it an open license and that you can clone it and, and reuse it and sell it. But, but I will tell you, they're a great example of the customer experience. Yes. Right. It's just, this is, you know, Mac is the customer experience for Linux, Linux on the desktop done right. Uh, every, Jesse Frizzell, I'm looking at you. You, um, you remember every yeah, year 
Linux was going to win the desktop wars every year. And, and I remember going to events early when Zen days and I'd go with laptops and have to run Linux on it. And then all of a sudden, like within a year or two of doing it, everyone had a Mac there. And I'm like, wait a second, you know, yeah. so Linux did win the desktop wars. It just, uh, uh, Mac took all the money. It so just was it just ended up with a, with brand and, and support. <laughs> hey, I'm, all my desktops are Linux. I'm a very happy Ubuntu user. This podcast is being recorded on Ubuntu. Well, we are proud open source people. I won't tell you that I have a Windows machine, but that's <laughs> required for me. So anyway, Rob, I, I think that was good. We went a little long, but that's okay. So our, to our listeners, we wanted to catch up on, on you know the topics of what's happening open source. I think there were two issues we talked about. And if you have thoughts and want to reach out, uh, do. We have um, someone from a recent podcast we did from Dell is joining us. We're recording him this week. Uh, we're very excited about that. So, you know, do reach out to us. Having you, our listeners, participate is only going to make these better. And we're friendly, as you've seen. And uh, a lot of our guests are newbies to podcasts, and uh, they do great. So um, we're not mean to podcasts. And I don't know, maybe we throw in ice cream. Rob, we'll, we'll send them ice cream or something for participating. <laughs> if they come to Austin, I'll buy them some Amy's ice cream. Oh, that's good. Definitely. Now I'm hungry. It makes me want to get Amy's ice cream. Mm. Well. <laughs> Okay, Rob. Well, thanks again. And uh, to our listeners, uh, we hope you enjoy this podcast and uh, look forward to providing more content for you in the future. Bye, Rob.